Welcome. This is One Hour of Sunshine. I am your host, Megan Joy Haverda. You can find all 18 episodes on YouTube or on my website, meganhaverda.com. We are filming the show today out of a private home in Ojai, California, where we are getting much needed rain. This show is for business leaders who are willing to openly admit that they use their intuition to make business decisions and to navigate their lives. This show will elevate and normalize intuitive skills in the workplace and allow such skills to be seen as great assets to communities, organizations, communities, and families. Our guest today is David Segal, a brilliant local singer-songwriter who just returned from Italy. Before we dive into our talk with him, let's stick to the program's tradition and do an intuition of the day. So on every show, I share an intuition of the day that usually comes through a meditation or through my dream time. Every night, I lucid dream, um, which basically means I observe and analyze the dream while it's happening. And the other night, I was deep in a dream and there was kind of community chaos. Everybody was grumbling and grouchy and fighting and complaining. And we were all shuffling into this community space, kind of an auditorium with lots of round tables and chairs. And we were all gathering to kind of resolve something. And I just kept hearing everybody complain and snicker at each other and argue over who was going to sit in what chair. And it just went on and on. And I thought to myself, huh, how are we going to turn this around? And without really thinking about it, I started pounding on the table and chanting, if we want peace, be kind. And slowly, everybody in the room started pounding on the table and pounding on the wall and chanting, if we want peace, be kind. And then, you know, my voice, the observer voice, told me in the dream, now apply this to everyone. And the voice was specifically pointing out somebody that I have a challenge with that hurts my feelings often. And I have amazing people in my life, but I do have one individual that still can get at me. And the dream was telling me, yes, even peace and kindness with that person. And it was such a great reminder. So that's the intuition of the day. Nobody's excluded from kindness. Nobody's excluded from peace. Said another way, let's be inclusive about peace and kindness. And I'm sure we will have much happier and more peaceful communities. So let's dive in. I, I believe that the intuition of the day very much resonates with our guest. Welcome, Thank David. You. Your lyrics are beautiful, very spiritual, and very connected to nature and community. So we're excited to hear from you today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yes. <laughs> um, so I want to share a little bit with the audience about who you are. Mm -hmm. You grew up in Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo, right mm -hmm. here in the central coast of California. And you just released a new remix of your song Hummingbird with mm -hmm. DJ Taz Rashid. Am I saying that correctly? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, which was played at the start of the show, and it will also play again at the end of the show, so folks can get a taste of it. Um, what I loved about reading about you, you know, online and your bio, is how many charity events you've done and how much you've given yourself. You know, as an artist, 
it's always giving. You're giving to the muse of your art, right? Mm -hmm. But you take it a step further and you actually give to different charities. You play at benefit concerts. You do a lot for local nonprofits, such as Santa Barbara Channel Keepers, Rally for Kids, and Surf Happens. Um, so I just want to say thank you for mm. digging deep always and finding <laughs> that extra space to give a little more. Thank you. Um, and you've been playing music since you were 17. So this, this is a life calling. This isn't some whimsical hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, it's a calling, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things I always ask a guest, mm -hmm. mostly we riff, right? We go mm -hmm. down rabbit holes together. But one thing I ask every guest is, at what point in your life did you begin to decipher between egoic will and mm -hmm. intuitive guidance? And mm -hmm. how did that show up for you? Mm. I think for me in college was when it became really clear um, between those two paths. And uh, I, was a, uh, I was an acting major, they had this BFA acting program at UCSB. Yeah. And I decided to, to study acting because um, I knew from a pretty early age, I mean, at least in my, my teens, I knew I wanted to be a, um, a musician and that I'd have to be a performer and that in order to do that, I'd have to overcome stage fright and being shy and being scared in front of people. So I knew that, that, that studying theater would help me with that. So I, I, I did theater and, um, and at the end of my uh, four years there, um, I ended up auditioning for, for a few grad schools because our, our acting teachers at the time were encouraging us to do that. And they said, oh, if you get into NYU or the National Theater Conservatory, uh, you know, it's going to really increase your odds of success. And so I, I knew that music was my calling, but I thought, well, I'll, I'll try, I'll audition for three of the best schools. And um, I did. And I got accepted to one of them. It's called the National Theater Conservatory at the Denver Center for, for the Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. And they offer a full scholarship and a living stipend to the eight students that they accept every year. And um, so having been accepted to this program, it kind of took me off guard because I guess in a way I thought, ah, my chances of getting into this are slim and I'll probably just be moving to you know San Francisco or LA and doing music. But uh, I, I made it and, and because I was accepted, I, I just felt so flattered and and uh, all my family and friends were like, oh, you're gonna go, right? That's amazing, it's, it's, you know? And uh, so my ego wanted to go because it was the comfortable, predictable, um, logical choice to make. But, um, and so I said yes at first. Um, and I spent that summer playing music around Santa Barbara because I knew I would be for the next three years so consumed with this MFA program that I wouldn't really have time to perform or to nurture my music, musical self. And, um, and in the course of that summer, I, I had a little breakdown because my intuition was telling me this isn't the path for you. Even though it seems like the clear, comfortable choice, it's not the path for you. Your path is with music. So I had this uh, real conflict and an inner battle that lasted for a few weeks. And I finally said, you know, I'm not going to go. And I called up the, the program director and I told him, I'm really sorry. I know this coming down to the last minute here, but I'm going to have to back out and I have to follow my, my gut and guidance. And it was one of the most painful decisions I, bet. I made. But looking back in hindsight, I, I realized it, it's how it was meant to be. It was my intuition yeah. talking to me. Yeah, that's a very good story, especially <laughs> for young musicians to hear. You know, and, and now with all this talk of narcissism and entitlement and all of that in, in our society, mm. 
I think there it's it's very important to really be able to decipher fear and whimsical um, decisions that could come from ego and fear versus intuition. Because people can say it's an intuitive thing, but really what is at the root of it? And so uh. teaching our younger children and students and mentoring people to really decipher between that. And it doesn't happen sometimes in a day. Sometimes uh. you have to sit with a decision for a few days and really uh. get to the root of where your decision's coming from. Absolutely. So thank you for that. <laughs> Good choice, by the way. <laughs> um, so Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo are mm-hmm. both right on the water. Mm-hmm. They're very, very beautiful. They have a lot of natural resources. How did that, growing up in those environments, how did that nurture your strong commitment to environment, to the ocean, and the protection of, of all of it? Mm. I, I would say that... Um, you know, being close to the ocean and spending a lot of time there as a, as a kid, um, it, it just it developed in me an incredible respect and an awe for nature and for the ocean. The ocean for me is like the quintessential embodiment of the universe, of the divine, of God. It's, you know, it's, it's power, it's strength, it's vastness. It's everywhere at once. And um, so... It, it to me it was the like I said it was a it was a, a resemblance of spirit and f- as a songwriter um, or a musician for me all music comes from inspiration it comes from spirit within so um, it naturally infused me with that inspiration it awoke the, the spirit within me and then you know um, I was fortunate enough to have a father who who would take me to the beach who, who took me hiking in mountains and and the and the uh, the different state parks that were in that region. And, and two, climbing through the mountains, uh, it helped to give me perspective. You know, uh, nature, life, the universe is very huge. And we, as these, the little personalities that we are, very, our personality side is very small in, in comparison to it. So, um, uh, yeah, it just it helped me to, like I said, in, in, uh, develop that sense of real respect and offer for nature and the natural world and to... Um, uh, to devote myself to it through the arts. Yeah, beautiful. Well, your lyrics say a lot about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you became a musician at 17. You made that conscious decision about your mm-hmm. schooling. But when did you actually say to yourself, no, I'm going to be a professional musician. I'm not just going to choose, you know, acting or mm-hmm. music. I'm actually going to produce and mm-hmm. be out there and perform and be a musician. When did you really put that stake in the ground for yourself? It's a little challenging to say exactly <laughs> when because I actually, you know, I started, I started uh, music lessons and, all, and, you know, writing songs in my teens my early teens and then um it was at 17 that i first started performing publicly and you know out and around santa barbara i knew around that age 16 17 that i wanted music to be my life this was it um however i was still young and impressionable and 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 some of the uh older peers in my life and my family were saying, well, you've got to go to college and you've got to, you know, it's important to have a side career too if you're going to support yourself. So I, I did that path for a while. I would say that it, um, 
in 2005, when I moved to LA, I was done with college and, and I passed on that MFA scholarship. That was, that was a groundbreaking yeah, point in my life where I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I, I, I did music in Los Angeles for a few years. I recorded my first album. I played everywhere I could. Um, I was really trying to get my feet wet because I knew I needed that real world experience. Yeah. But then... It wasn't probably finally until 2012 when I moved back to Santa Barbara that I, I blossomed into becoming a full-time musician. I had developed a, a little side career in, in uh, being a fitness instructor, being a body worker. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it was great. It was an educational experience. But when I moved back to Santa Barbara um, around that time, it, they just kind of naturally fell off, and yeah. I just felt like, oh, you know, it's time to return to music. It was like a homecoming. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, try these other things. They served their purpose, and now I can be who I always knew I was. So that's probably was right. the real point. It was in 2012, which was a pivotal year for a lot of us. Yes. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because of all the economic changes. Yeah. <laughs> that whole Mayan calendar thing. Right? <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. Um, so I love to ask guests, mm -hmm. tell us a, a quick little story about a time when you did not listen to your intuition mm. and how perhaps you got your ass handed to yes. you and what you learned from the experience. Where to begin with those are so many <laughs> Just so one. Many Just give me one example. <laughs> yeah. That's why I didn't go to, to grad school, by the way, because I knew that's the education I needed. Uh -huh. um, when I moved back here... I'd say, I think in 2013, yeah. at the very end of 2012, I bought a sailboat and mm -hmm. I lived in the Santa Barbara Harbor mm -hmm. for over six years. And uh, it was something that was a dream come true, but, but at the same time, I didn't, it was like a dream I didn't really know I had until that year. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, I, I could do this. And so I found a sweet little sailboat and a slip and uh, lived aboard and I really loved the lifestyle, it was just like, you know, like the piece of the pl puzzle had, had clicked into place. And, and, and I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Um, and it inspired my music. It kind of guided me a bit as an artist for sure. And, um, and then uh, three, four years after first moving down there, um, I had a faulty engine I had to have replaced. So I hired a mechanic, uh, sailboat or a no, boat mechanic to to replace this engine, and and I had heard I had gotten one good referral from this gentleman, um, but I I probably should have double checked a, from a few more sources, um, because he didn't turn out to be a a reputable or sound mechanic. He he sold me a what he told me was a factory rebuilt engine with a factory warranty, and uh, it wasn't the case. It was a it was a lemon that he had tried to kind of repair himself. Were you feeling uncomfortable throughout this? I felt, you know, I didn't have a great feeling about him, particularly after he installed the engine and a few months later it started to leak oil. And I thought, nice. uh-oh, okay. Yes. So he, he came and he said, oh, it's probably just this or that. I can fix it, no problem. Supposedly fixed it. A couple of weeks later, it's leaking again. A couple of weeks later, it's leaking again. So this went on for almost a year. Oh, and um, the... You know, the, the passive side of me just wanted to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, but I was ignoring my intuition and should have put my foot down a long yeah. time before that. So finally, I told him, you know, enough. Um, it's time to take this engine out. I want a new engine in there. And, I, I, you know, this is not a, a sound engine. So he finally takes the engine out. Um, 
I leave town for a couple of days. After he took the engine out, um, he didn't properly like secure this propeller shaft, and so water started to leak in the boat. And I got a phone call from a buddy of mine down at the harbor telling me that my boat was slowly seeking, sinking, and he called Harbor Patrol. They had to haul it out. Long story short, after I called my insurance company and everything, that boat was in the boatyard uh, getting worked on and repaired for over eight months. Oh. And I was displaced. <laughs> and uh, and yes. it was a really, uh, it was one of those experiences that really shook me to the core because, you know, it's like that's my home. Yeah. And I felt, you know, cheated and violated and lied to. And um, a lot of, you know, it, it brought up some, some deep buried feelings that I didn't know were there, you know, some... Um, some anger and attachment that I had towards that boat, but the the silver lining, I didn't have anger towards the boat, attachment to the boat, but anger towards the person who, you know, displaced me from it. But the silver lining was I realized, man, I'm really too attached to this boat and this concept of home in general. I mean, I think we as people are uh, generally nomadic when you think about the history of yeah. human existence. It's only been in the last few thousand years that we've really settled down, but in some way or another, we were always, I think, um, migrating and following the food sources. And so um, it, was, uh, it was a good reminder to me to not be too, too attached to one place or person or thing that I consider home and, and understand that life is ever flowing, it's ever moving, it's ever shifting. We have to be, uh, as, as, as warriors of any kind, we have to be uh, alert to that, be aware of that and be able to shift with the changing tides. So. Did you, in the moment when you were just so spun up and art, you know, feeling angry, did you forgive yourself? I mean, did you relate the experience to not listening to yourself? Or is it now, many years later, that you can reflect and find that little kernel like, oh, I could have nipped it in the bud if I had listened yeah. to myself. Yeah, Sometimes no, for it sure. takes time to then look back on it and see it clearly, but... Yeah, no, it did take a, a while to to forgive myself for sure in the yeah. thick of it. That's yeah. the first thing. And you know what you were talking about, your 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 uh, opening intuition reminded me of that because it's 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 sometimes it's really challenging for us to be kind, most kind and forgiving towards ourselves, yes. you know. And I, I really think the only reason we're ever unkind to anyone else or unforgiving to anyone else is because of our own sometimes negative viewpoint of ourselves. Yeah. So it was a lesson in that. I had to overcome that, forgive myself and, and say, you know what? David, it was a lesson that was learned. You wouldn't, you didn't know any other way. Yeah, that's Good life. That's lessons, you know. Very. Good. <laughs> um, so, how has your lifestyle, which I would say you're quite conscious man, you're very intuitive, how has the way you've decided to navigate your life impacted your family, your band members, mm. your agent? You know, how how mm. do you think it? How do you that's think the wave? <laughs> you really have to ask them. others. Um, yeah, no, I well, I can I can't say for sure, but I can only hope that it gives them, it's given them permission, mm. or inspired them to be their most authentic self, yeah. to follow their bliss, to follow um, the, the the path that brings them the most joy and brings others the most joy. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, this the path of being an artist of any kind, a creator, uh, uh, being a a self-employed business owner, any of that is, uh, you're really walking down a path of, of, of the unknown. You don't And it's know, not always fun. No, no. <laughs> or you comfortable. You're not going to know the answers. But um, <laughs> the only reason I think I ever, you know, decided to walk down this path is because I saw my idols, the people like, you know, John Lennon and Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder and 
Jack Johnson that yeah. walked down that path where it's they just they knew it was who they were and what they were called to do and they just did it even though all the answers weren't clear before them so yeah. um yeah that's my that's my hope is that it 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 has inspired them or it will inspire them to um yeah. be true to themselves you know and and really ask the question it's 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 difficult sometimes for us to ask ourselves the question who am i really um what am i here to do uh, what who am i here to become and um you know what's my calling you know yeah. what's my well and i'd like to link living consciously to the idea that intuition is in the moment and in the moment and in the moment so it's not mm. if you change your mind it's not about being fickle or whimsical or flighty right. Right. when you're coming from an intuitive space right. intuition does change how you really connect and relate to something at yeah. 10 o'clock on Tuesday could right. be quite different by 5 p.m. on Thursday. And that's, that's honesty. That's, that's not fickleness so true. or flippant, you know, being flippant. So that's so true. It's, yeah. a, it's an important one, I think, for people to further decipher in their lives. Absolutely. And, you know, it brings up an analogy for me being a, a sailor for the last yeah. seven years. You know, it's important that we have our, our, our charts and yeah. we have our, our navigation plotted out. But once we set sail in that direction, um, we w there are going to be unforeseen circumstances. The wind's going to change. The weather's going to change. Um, something's going to happen on the vessel that you've got to fix and put your attention to. And that's being in the moment and following, you know, yeah. that divine guidance. The compass is the needle of the compass is going to shift. Yeah. And and I think we have to learn to become flexible and brave enough to 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 follow that instead of being so set in our ways like yeah. no i i said i'm gonna go this way i'm gonna go that way even though it's gonna take me yeah. off a cliff well the next question has to do with climate change and it mm -hmm. very much relates to this way of living because climate change whatever anybody's belief is about it nobody can say fires are not happening mm -hmm. <laughs> mudslides mm -hmm. are not happening earthquakes are not increasing everybody can agree that they are right. they are occurring they are happening and there is a reason behind it um and it's been you know human action mostly mm -hmm. um that has created a dramatic climate change event mm -hmm. What that's requiring of humanity is flexibility. Mm, and, right, yeah. you know, generic capitalism has created a very rigid society that has very myopic skill sets and right. everybody depends on everybody staying in their silo. Right. Whereas now with, with environmental disaster, fires and, and earthquakes and power outages and all these things, you have to be pretty resilient of mind and body. Mm. And so, you know... I, I guess I wanted to ask you, how are you weaving in your thoughts about environmental situations and issues into your lyrics? Mm. And how will you in the future to really inspire people instead of depress them? <laughs> mm. that's, a great, that's a great question. <laughs> right. Um, well, it's interesting because really only recently have I started um, to, to speak to that a little bit more in terms of... Um, using the songs as a bit of a wake-up mm -hmm. call and a, and a ringing of the bell because generally my my songs have always kind of gravitated towards warm bright sunny mm -hmm. like looking at the positive mm -hmm. within ourselves um, within the world because I do see the world as a very beautiful place and I I see us as beautiful beings that are you know part of this beautiful world um, however uh, we are at this fascinating uh, and sometimes frightening 11th hour 
uh, point in our existence uh, where, um, and, and that has informed my, my lyrics to be more direct mm-hmm. um, and more uh, of a wake-up call, as I yeah. said. And um, uh, an example is, you know, recently I was, um, as I was reading about what's going on down in the, the Amazon mm-hmm. uh, and the devo- deforestation happening in Brazil, yeah. um, and I, I was reading a, um, an article written by someone I know who was down there on the forefront and saw it and was speaking uh, about what he thinks are the solutions to it. And I just felt this strong, uh, strongly moved to write uh, a song that was speaking to this and speaking to the truth of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, interestingly, the, the lyrics came out that same night. Um, I knew I had to just sit down, be with my guitar, and write about it. And um, and uh, the, the lyrics that came through, it was as though like the spirit of our ancestors, but our way long ago ancestors, the ones who lived in the forest, the ones who were foragers mm-hmm. and hunters and gatherers and who really lived most closely with nature, who lived in harmony with nature. Mm-hmm. What would they say to us, um, those of us who are living, who are in physical form? And um, and and so the lyrics became more, uh, centered around, you know, uh, people of the planet Earth, this is something you should hear if you consider your life on Earth to be dear. Um, and to to rise up in love and to be the alchemy that we need to see take place, it's it's within us. It's not going to come from any government, any uh, any policy. Although those things have their place, it's got to. We have to be the alchemy. Yeah. We're the ones that yeah. are going to have to really uh, shift the way we live, yeah. um, the choices we make on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. It starts with the smallest thing. Yeah. So that's what. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm starting to uh, speak to more in my songs is, is the power that we have mm-hmm. within us all mm-hmm. with every little choice, with every word, every lifestyle yeah. uh, choice we make um, and the ripple effect that it has. Yeah. We don't really, you can't really know how big of a ripple effect that can become. But um, I think it's a lot bigger than we ever realized at one given point. Yeah, So I agree. Um you know, something that I like to address, it is different to be a man or a woman. It is Mm. different. The way we communicate, the way we address issues, and now, you know, there are so many options in terms of sexual identity. So Mm. um, with that said, you are a man, you are a leader, you are very conscious. How are you... How are you reaching out to others? How are you mentoring young boys, teenage mm. boys, young mm-hmm. men that want to make a career in music? Because um, sometimes the way a man would mentor another man mm-hmm. you know, is really empowering. Mm-hmm. And especially using your intuition and teaching boys that you know, men and women have extremely natural and powerful intuition mm-hmm. could change their life. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. no small task. But right. Do you have you started on that path? I saw some pictures of you with your relatives in Italy. You know, yeah. I can see you reaching out to younger yeah, generations. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, what comes to mind is uh, I was I was performing regularly at a at a lovely hotel here in Santa Barbara. I would play there twice a week on the weekends, and I met um, one of the the bussers there. It was a, a is a young man. He's nineteen years old, and and he came up to me uh, after you know, one of the first few times he'd seen me play and, 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 you know, just shared with me about how the music affected him and that he's a young, um, filmmaker. He's, he's learning how to, how to make film and would I ever want to create something with him? And, um, 
And I said, absolutely, you know, let's, let's do it. So, um, uh, we've, we've begun a friendship and I realized, um, it's also turned into a, a mentorship of, of sorts because, um, I realized, wow, like I've got enough years on this young man that I can, I can share with him some experience and wisdom mm-hmm. in a way that, that, um, some of my older mentors have done with me and yep. still do with me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the interesting thing about me- mentorship in general is it does go both ways. I, I never want to stop having mentors. And I think it's really, you know, that's, that's been a, a big thing in our, in our culture that's been kind of lost in terms of like really valuing the elders and really spending time with them yeah. uh, to pick their brains, to understand what the world is like through their eyes and was like for them. Because, you know, they've, they've, they've been to parts, uh, areas of, of, of existence that we might not have been to yet if we're younger. So, um, so with this young man, you know, just uh, being able to, I've spent time with him creating um, and working with him and even, and, and even giving him work because um, I see in him, he's got the, 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 the inspiration, the, the passion, if you will, the enthusiasm to to do what what he's being called to do mm-hmm. in the world, you know, he's he's showing up, mm-hmm. and he's and and by coming up to me and expressing that desire to to wanna to wanna create to wanna be a storyteller and to be a an agent of of social evolution, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I think really just spending time uh, showing up with yeah. these young men and women, yes. you know. Um, yeah. And, and being present with them and giving them the chance, giving them the opportunity to practice, to make mistakes, to get back up again. Um, it's, it, it hasn't, I've been working with, with this guy for, um, for a few months now and it's, it's sometimes been really challenging because he's 19 years old and, and you know, working on a project and, and it's not coming through when he says it's going to. And, and so sometimes having, having to hold them accountable yeah. to, yes. you know. So it's that balance between encouraging them, mm-hmm. being positive, and then also at the same time being a mirror and, mm-hmm. and, and, and holding him accountable. But, but uh, at the core of it all is what you were speaking to at the beginning of the program, love, mm-hmm. kindness, mm-hmm. compassion. Um, not not trying to uh, coerce or force or yeah. impose your will upon them, but really like bring out what what they need to have brought out. Yeah, very yeah. very important, very beautiful. And what the generations have seen is now so different. I mean, we're yeah. going to have holographic messaging in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in probably the next decade. So mm-hmm. each generation has so much to share with one another. And there are just some lessons you can only learn by living those years on the planet, right? So there's yeah. situational education and then there's that decade brings that, that decade brings that. Right. You know, I'm in right. my mid forties and I'm like cracking and creaking and my you know, I'm sore in the morning. You know, the bodies change as yeah. you age and Absolutely. it's very humbling and yes, it is. I talk to my twenty year old friends that I'm mentoring and and it's just sweet to share, you know, yeah. what the aging process looks like for a super healthy person. Absolutely. But Absolutely. I really believe in mentoring. I think we all could do it. Um, Absolutely. So this is kind of a frivolous conversation piece, but I'm really <laughs> excited to hear about yeah. your trip in Italy. What, what was one highlight that you really think the audience could relate to? Yeah, one of the highlights was um, when I... Uh, the last week of my trip, I went down to Catania, Sicily, mm-hmm. um, where I have a very talented third cousin who's a concert violinist, mm. and she's a music teacher. 
and uh, she's married to the sweetest guy, uh, Antonio, who's an incredible uh, multi-instrumentalist. He plays bass uh, mostly, uh, but he plays lots of instruments and, and um, he tours with some really famous uh, Italian uh, performers all over the country. And he also teaches at, at one of the local schools there. And he had... Oh, I saw this on yeah. Instagram, I think. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Well, yeah. he, had the, he had the forethought and the, the, yeah. the, the thoughtfulness to um, two weeks before I came, mm. he uh, spoke with the school and, and organized a little special school assembly. Mm. Um, he had me um, he had me come to the school and work with his, uh, his music students. He took the time to write out an arrangement um, mm. for the Hummingbird song, which mm. I had just released. And so he taught there in one afternoon, he taught the kids, um, you know, how to play the different parts. There were some violinists, there were some clarinet players, there was piano players and some xylophone players. And so um, to my pleasant surprise, you know, this happened like a day or two after I arrived. And he just told me once I arrived <laughs> that he had put this together. So um, I spent the time with the students and then, and then they put on this uh, assembly in front of the school, a little performance where I got to perform the song with these lovely music students um, all around me. And... Um, and afterwards, um, he, uh, we, we had a Q&A session with the, the rest of the school that was there. that um, was there listening and, and observing. And they asked me some of the most thoughtful questions mm. about, you know, why did I decide to live on a boat? And, and you know, what's life like on the ocean? And, and they asked me, you know, what's my music inspired by? And why do I care so much about nature? And um, it was... Uh, it was a really inspiring experience and an eye-opening experience because I love working with uh, the youth. I love working with kids, children, and young adults of all ages. And I know that that's our future. And, uh, and I know how music, because I remember being that age and how music, positive music, uplifting music, inspiring music, really moved me. It, it woke up faculties of my consciousness that nothing else well ever did or could. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so to be able to, um, to do that, you know, at this later point in my life and to see how it inspires these young men and women is, is so humbling and, and uh, really heartwarming. And, and they were so sweet. I mean, these, these kids, they're junior high schoolers, and I feel so old, you know, compared to them. Wise, but afterwards, wise. I know, right? Afterwards, they, they come up and they, they, they had the sheet music and they yeah. wanted me to sign it. Cute. And I thought, how sweet. Yeah. You know, I, I thought maybe they only liked te teeny bopper right. uh, performers, but that they come to me. Aww. And so, yeah, it was, it was humbling and really, really That's fun. Beautiful. Yeah. We can include that clip um, in the. There you go. Yeah. In the data for okay. the audience. Cool. That would be fantastic. I'll share it with you. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. So, you know, every at the end of every show, I mm -hmm. love the guests to do a call to action. Something oh. that they want to leave with okay. the audience. Yeah. You know, call it homework, call it a call to action. But if yeah. anything comes to mind, mm, yes. go for it. Okay, cool. Well, I think what comes to mind since we were talking about what's going on in the Amazon right now, the mm -hmm. divorce station, and the urgent, urgent need to really stand up for our natural treasures, our, our natural resources. Um, and since we're coming upon the holidays here, um, I want to invite uh, everyone listening and watching to uh, take a pledge and a challenge of 30 days of, of eating vegetarian and uh, see if you can uh, do that through the holidays because... Um, I think particularly with what's going on, um, 
down down in Brazil, knowing that a lot of this deforestation is happening to um, produce more more beef, more soy to feed the livestock. I think one of the the, the greatest um, most impactful choices we can make as consumers on a day to day basis does go around what we're eating and particularly um, uh, eliminating or at least greatly reducing the amount of meat we consume because of um, again the amount of land use that takes up the deforestation that it that it unfortunately inspires and um, and the the the, 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 res- the use of the resources of, of water and mm-hmm. and all of that so uh, yeah that that'd be my challenge to you is if you haven't uh, done it before try it for 30 days um, particularly through the holidays um, see how it how it fits you um, it's funny because I never planned to become vegetarian but I went down to Costa Rica at the beginning of 2012 and I stayed on an organic farm or a little permaculture farm with a, a family that was vegetarian and I thought well I'm here I'll try it you know I didn't really have a choice um, and the way that I felt afterwards my entire body system energy shifted and I thought I don't ever want to go back I love how I feel yeah. and uh, I love how I feel about too knowing that the, you know the, re- the the ripple effect of making healthier choices yeah. so I want to say one thing about that because it's mm-hmm. a very hot topic right now I was vegan for four years and so that's a side note so I completely relate to where you're coming from but there is so much data now about hemispheres Mm. so eating not only local but Mm -hmm. what your hemisphere grows and if it's a very warm place it's easier to be vegetarian if it's you know in your in the northern hemisphere you need more fat so i want to share that with the audience to Mm -hmm. say do your version but eat more local (laughs) yeah absolutely at the very least least, and how do we know your food how do we find your 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 music your cds it's holiday time people could shop and give you know you as a gift uh to their loved ones. Thank you. Um, yeah, if you uh, go to my website, which is davidsegal.com, and Segal is S-E-G-A-L-L, um, you can find uh, links to um, to purchase uh, CDs. I've got some some T-shirts that that have lyrics of some of the inspiring songs mm-hmm. on it. And um, yeah, if you uh, listen to Spotify or use iTunes or uh, Apple Music, any of that, you can find my my music on there awesome. and uh, and the, the most recent uh, DJ Taz Rashid remix of the Hummingbird song uh, has just been released and so I'm happy to be sharing that with the world. Great. Yeah. All right. So I want to give special thanks today to the Neil family for hosting us here at the house and Ray Powers for his amazing production and creative support. Yeah, Ray. Also to Lauren Fries um, for her social media efforts and to bring back the blue for sponsoring the show. Bring Back the Blue is a marine litter offset program. Um, and if you want to hear more about it, please write to info at bringbacktheblue.blue, all spelled out. And you can buy your plastic offsets as holiday gifts. Mm, all right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now. We will be starting up again in January for a full year of One Hour of Sunshine shows. Um, we very much appreciate you watching today and wish you a very safe and happy holiday. Bye for now. Bye.